He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. everyone, and welcome to Asian Cinema Fusion, and I am your host, Paul Martinez, and I'm never going to get into how long it's been. It's been way long. I have no excuses. I did have some issues, but just life got in the way, and I, I, I'm not going to make excuses. So many times I've been late getting a show up, and this one's been the latest ever, but I do know that's not going to remain that way because, as we'll talk about after we do our reviews, as the New York Asian Film Festival is almost upon us, tickets went on sale today, as a matter of fact, and I am extremely excited. I am pretty positive I'm going to break my personal record for most film screen, but we're going to get into that a little later on. What I want to do right now is get into some reviews, and uh, we're going to start right off with Headshot, 2017 out of Indonesia. This is directed by Kimo Stambol. And Timo Tahanto, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, the only thing I know that he did before this was a film called The Killers, which unfortunately I have not seen. It is starring, though, however, a man I'm sure most of you know who he is, Iko Wise, who plays Ishmael. He is, of course, the star of the Raid films, one and two, um, and there's a third one in production. And Marintau, a film that uh, we are definitely going to review someday on this show. Also, starring Chelsea Islan as Eileen. She was in a film called Street Society. Julie Estelle, who plays Rika, who was the Hammer Girl from Raid 2. And Sonny Pang as Lee, who is probably most well-known for the film The Con Artist. At least for me, he's most well-known for there. <laughs> and uh, so of course, as always, I have taglines that make up for each film. And the one for this one will be, He Woke Up to a New World. But his nightmare has just begun. So what's this about? Well, a former killer wakes up from a coma after a gunshot wound to the head with no recollection of who he is. So, of course, as I, you know, as I pointed out before, unless you live under a rock, you know of the Raid films and its star eco. Well, due to the immense success of those films, all his fans were extremely excited to see how his new film would turn out. But this was not directed by Gareth Evans, and thus kind of failed to match our hopes, or at least mine. Still, this is a fun watch. Uh, Ishmael winds up falling for his doctor, who becomes targeted by his former crew, and now he must face his former brothers, quote-unquote, to get her back. So, you know, that's basically what this film is about. This is a very violent and visceral film, and that is the strong points of the film. However... The story, and for most part, the fight choreography, not totally, but in many scenes, uh, came up a bit short for me. Acting-wise, nothing really to talk about, although I did enjoy the performance from Judy Estelle, who plays the lethal Rika. Uh, Sonny Pang was a bit over the top, and Eco, well, reciting lines has never been a strong point. 
What was good was the cast of baddies Ishmael was run through to get to his quote-unquote father, Lee. And the last two fight scenes were especially good. But the story, it's about as deep as a puddle, to be honest. Extremely cookie-cut affair. Um, you know, I've seen this story done 20-plus times and done better. And still, the action sequences and some slick production values really do help this out. You know, I feel like as I'm, you know, I'm hearing myself review the film that, as always, I feel maybe I'm being a little more critical and I'm not letting you guys know, you know, how much I did like the film. And I did. Um, I just, it's, you know, that old thing of about expectations, you know, and um, my expectations were very high for a new Equalize film. And, you know, this is not the raid. It's not the Raid 2. Honestly, it's not even Marantau. <laughs> but, you know, it's still a fun film. There is, um, I thought early in the film, the fight scenes were a bit bland. I thought later in the film, the, the fight sequences, especially the one against Rika and Lee, were really, really well done. And uh, like I said, don't put too much into the plot. Although, let's be honest, even the Raid film's plots were pretty cookie-cutter as well. So, you know... When you're looking at these films, that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for the action. And in that case, the action was outstanding. Uh, like I said, I thought the second half of the film's action scenes were much better than the first. But still, it's really non-stop action uh, throughout the film. There's not too many lows in uh, fight scenes. And that's a good thing. Especially for a film like this, because you really just don't want to get too bogged down in you know, subpar acting and even more subpar storytelling. So, what you want is action, and you're going to get that here. And, you know, overall, if you're a fan of Eco, then you really should see this. Let's try not to compare it to the Gareth Evan Raid films. It probably is going to leave you feeling a bit cheated if you do. So, uh, definitely a film I think you should see. I give this a 6.5 out of 10. Our next film, The King. 2017 on South Korea, directed by Han Jai Rim, who directed the incredible The Face Reader, another film that uh, we're going to have to review here one day, starring Joe In-sung, who plays Park Tai-su, uh, probably best known for A Frozen Flower. He's been in some TV dramas as well. Co-starring Jung Woo-sung, who plays Han Kang-shik, uh, who's been in, wow, he's been in The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, played The Good, uh, Reign of Assassins, uh, very good as he plays um, the husband of Michelle Yeoh, and Cold Eyes, he's the uh, antagonist in Cold Eyes, very good actor this man, Bae Sung Woo, uh, who plays Yang Dong Chul, um, I really like him, he was in Office, The Phone, Inside Men, he's one of these guys I just think uh, doesn't get enough credit, and Kim Ajung, who plays Sang Hee, probably best known for 200 pound beauty, uh, so our tagline for this is, how far Will you go? So, uh, a young delinquent from the streets decides to become a prosecutor. As he rises through the ranks, he starts to see how his life is not as virtuous as he believed. So, this is billed as a political crime thriller. And I really cannot disagree more. Um, yes, there is crime. There is politics. But there are very few thrills. It's really a political drama. Not a bad one but not what I thought it was going to be going in. And sometimes, as we talked about uh, the film before this, it's expectations that most factor in the enjoyment of a film, doesn't it? I mean, you know you know that for yourself. Sometimes you go into a film and you just 
think, ah, this is probably not going to be that good, and then you're blown away. Not probably because it was the greatest film ever, just because you went in not expecting much. And in this film, I did expect a little more than what I got. Um, you know, I'm sure you all have movies that you've loved, um, either knowing nothing about or heard very bad things before viewing it, you know. So, And there's some well-received films that you probably can't stand. And again, it's all about expectations. So, when I first saw this, I really didn't like it. I watched it a second time, though. Um, and while I don't love it, I don't think it's as bad as I originally thought. Again, the whole expectation thing. Now, the acting really has to carry a film like this. And it does. Jung Woo Sung is as great as always. And, you know, I've said I'm a big fan of this set at the top of Bae Sung Woo. So underrated in my eyes. Um, Joe In Sung in the lead, though, I thought was spotty at times. He had some good scenes and others that didn't connect. I gave him a passing grade, but just passing. Uh, the problems that this film had, uh, to be honest, was pacing mostly. I mean, at almost two and a half hours, there are lows that are very hard to get through. It just felt like I could have missed 90 minutes of this and it wouldn't have made a difference. I understand the director wanting to paint a picture, but honestly, do you enjoy watching an artist paint a long portrait? Or would you rather marvel at the finished work? Uh, you know, the other issue I had was the portrayal of the prosecutors and just how immoral they were, almost for the sake of being bad. And, you know, I never liked the whole evil guys versus good guys. Um, in my opinion, most people in this world are shades of gray. Uh, but here, these guys were just dark, never seeming to do or care about anything unless it helped them in their pockets. And maybe I'm naive, I just don't think people really like that. I think even if people are bad, I think in some way in their own mind, they find a way to justify it. And, you know, I don't know. I think everybody wants to do good and help themselves where they can. But, you know, I guess this is a topic for a lecture on psychology, so I digress. Again, though, I must point out there was not much in the way of action. A couple of fights that lasted mere seconds. A car accident at the top and some very hungry German shepherds at one point. But there are some, there is some suspense and some tense moments as we see our protagonist struggle with the choices he must make to stay in this elite unit of prosecutors he's found himself in. And there are one or two small twists near the end. You know, and I, and I talked about last show if these type of new K films uh, would jump the shark soon. And while I didn't do that here, just yet, I do see Fonzie on skis in the distance. Um, I'm going to give this a 6.5 out of 10. It's an okay watch, but as I said, uh, you probably want to lower your expectations going in. Next film is, this is our film, um, where it's a film that I wanted to get to watch, and I didn't get to watch it, and it took a little while, and I finally did. So, it's not as new as the other ones, but it's a film that, you know, I wanted to get to and just lift things, you know, sometimes you dismiss a film and you go back and watch it a little later on. And that's what this was. And this is called Flying Colors, uh, 2015, out of Japan, directed by Nobuhiro Doi, who directed a film, Hana Mizuki, which I know got very good reviews. I have not seen the film, but I do know it was well received. It's starring Kusumi Aremui, no, I'm sorry. My, I, my Japanese pronunciation of names is atrocious, guys. Kasumi Aremua as Sayaka Kudo. Absolutely best known for I Am A Hero. 
Also in the film called Strobe Edge, which I did not see. Atsushi Ito as Yoshitaka Subota. Uh, he was in Battlefield Baseball, Fish Story. Tetsushi Tanaka, who plays Sayaka's father. He was in the film Umazaru and X-Day. Two really good uh, kind of horror films. That uh, weird horror films. He happened to be in both of them. And Yo, Yoshida, who plays Sayaka's mom. I actually don't know anything she's been in before this. But uh, she was good in this. So uh wouldn't mind seeing her again in something else. And my tagline for this film is Dream Big. And what it's about is a perennial underachieving teen becomes inspired and tries to get accepted into a top college. Now, I had wanted to see this at the Japan Cuts Festival last year, but scheduling didn't work out for me. And so I finally sat down and watched it. And most of the reviews, you know, most of the films I review here, they're action or horror or thrillers, comedies, what have you. So I really wanted to see something different, and I'm glad I did. This is really a wonderful, feel-good drama with just enough strife as well as comedy mixed in to keep you engaged. Despite the relative lack of star power in this production, the acting is very good. There is a bit of the overdramatic that always seems to come with the genre, but it wasn't blatant. While everyone that felt delivered, and our lead actress was so adorably cute, and she actually won the prestigious Best Actress at the Blue Ribbon Awards for this role. And uh, by the way, Yo Yoshida, who I talked about, I really didn't know. She won Best Supporting Actress. As I said, I'd like to see her go. Uh, again, in another film. But the top award for me goes to Atushi Ito, who plays the director of a tutoring school which is used to prepare students for the entrance exams. And he's kind of the one that makes Sayaka see something in herself that no one except maybe her mother ever saw. Now, I must point out this film is based on a true story and is adapted from a book written by that same school director. The novel itself has sold way over a million copies. And I will not even try to tell you the insanely long title, but you can Google it. What really moves me in this tale is the relationship between Sayaka and her parents. It is touching as well as frustrating. Her father decides early on to wash his hands of her and left to be raised by her mother, who is a complex character in herself. And she would do anything to see her child happy, while her father barely acknowledges her existence and scoffs at her when she decides to undertake this incredible challenge. I mean, you really have to understand... This is a girl like with a, I think a second grade reading level trying to get into one of the top schools in all of Japan. And so uh, what she's trying to do here is just insane. And there really are no twists or turns. There's no bloody fights. There's no sex scenes. In fact, it almost has like an after school special feel to it. But what it is, is a really nice film that will leave a smile on your face. Maybe a tear in your eye. And it closes with a really nice little, you know, musical number to the credits with the cast, which uh, definitely brought a smile to my face. And I really highly, highly recommend this film. I give it an 8 out of 10. And really, this is one of the best films I've seen in a while. You know, recently, uh, if you are following my Twitter or my Facebook page, I did my top 100 Asian films of all time. And when I did that, I had not seen this film. I will tell you now, this film would probably break that 100 list. It's a very, very good film, and you definitely see this when you get a chance. 
True Colors. Fly, flying Colors, 2015. Definitely check this out if you can. And speaking of Japan, our old school selection comes from that uh, region. It is Rashomon, 1950, directed by Akira Kurosawa, who, of course, is responsible for The Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, and Sanjuro, which we both reviewed on this show, uh, starring Toshiro Mifune, who plays Tajomaru, uh, the bandit, who was, again, in Yojimbo and Sanjuro, Masayuki Mori, who plays the samurai slash husband, he was in a film called Ugetsu and a film called The Untamed. Machiko Kyo as the samurai's wife. She was also in Ugetsu and a film called Gate of Hell. And Takashi Shimura, who plays Kikori the woodcutter. He was in the film Stray Dog as well as Seven Samurai and the film Ikiro, which I uh, have never seen. And basically the tagline for this is a story of the evil of men. So what is this about? Well, okay, a samurai is found murdered. Now we get to hear the very different tales from those that were there. I have said I probably at some point will review all of Kurosawa's films. He is really one of the most influential directors of all time. And this arguably is his most influential work. In fact, you can look up the phrase, the Rashomon Effect which is a mainstay of movie making still to today. It is in fact where various characters tell alternative versions of the same event. Um, and I mean, there's tons of films that do this. And this is, you know, there is a, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of now, but trust me. I mean, let's look up, let's Google Rashomon effect and you will have a list of all the films that were basically influenced from this type of film. So he was so much before his time. Just amazing. Kurosawa, really, and I'm hoping that if you're listening to the show, you've, you know, been able to see some of his work. And if you haven't, you really should make it a priority if you're a fan of Asian cinema. If you're a fan of any cinema, if you just like movies, if you like dramas on TV, if you like storytelling, you know, in that form, you should see Kurosawa because he truly uh, was really like just the top influence on so much of what we see today. It's just uh, an amazing director. You really should check out his work. Uh, but enough of me waxing poetic on uh, Mr. Kurosawa. Let's get back into the film. Toshiro Mifune is really great in this role. Uh, you know, that big surprise. <laughs> Not really, right? But, I mean, I have to say, I almost didn't recognize him at first. Uh, had a very different look about him. And I, I kind of like that. Um, everyone plays their part well, and, and yes, at times the story seemed, I guess, to be a little bit over-melodramatic, but I think that was by design, as we're not truly seeing what happened, but hearing accounts of it with each character spitting their own version. There is a bit of a twist at the end of the film, but nothing shocking. What this film does show is what people will do or say in the name of saving face in some way. This, I think this says so much about society, doesn't it? Even to today. Uh, the fight scenes, you can call them that, are a bit dated and really not that good. But the storytelling is spot on and leads you to ponder what is true and what isn't as the movie's going on. In the end, what we know is everyone has some blame and guilt and shame. 
it really is almost a story about the human element and who we truly are underneath, you know, the niceties and politeness that we show to the outer world. And I, again, this is just something to me, you know, going back to 1950, uh, I, I don't think many people were doing this. I think that's why I'm just, Kurosawa was so ahead of the curve that's making a film like this. Uh, again, uh, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm a fanboy of Kurosawa, I guess. And be honest, I didn't get into his films until very recently, but uh, he just blows me away with everything I see of his. And I got to truly call for you guys to see this film if you haven't. It's really a staple of all cinema. And I give this an 8 out of 10, and definitely a uh, Rashomon. You should definitely check this out. Okay, we'll go to our wild card selection, which is The Untold Story, also known in some circles as Bun Man, also known in uh, some circles as the Eight Immortals Restaurant, hyphen The Untold Story. So however you know it, I knew it as The Untold Story when I first saw it. That's how I know the film. That's how I refer to it. Made in Hong Kong in 1993. Directed by Herman Yao, who's best known for the Troublesome Night series. You might have seen Ebola Syndrome, which is kind of a follow-up to this, uh, unrelated follow-up. Starring Danny Lee. As Officer Lee, of course, you should know Danny Lee from The Killer, plays the cop, and Brave Archer 1 and 2. Anthony Wong, who plays Wang Chi Hang, Anthony Wong, I've talked about him before, what an amazing actor, uh, Infernal Affairs, Exiled, Hard Boiled, Full Contact, so many more, it's probably over 100 films he's been in. And Emily Kwan, who plays Bo, and she's probably best known for Dr. Lamb or Full Alert. Full Alert, uh, I know her well from. She was in Dr. Lamb also, a lesser-known film, as I saw. And uh, my tag number here is, You Will Die for a Secret Recipe. So, this film is based on the actual Eight Immortals restaurant murder that took place in August 1985 in Macau, uh, where a family was found, but much of their corpses were never found. Um, you know, uh, there were body parts missing and other body parts found or what have you. And there's a lot of speculation on what could be an explanation for this. And this is where this film kind of ventures into. Now look, I must be honest, I'm not the biggest Herman Yao fan. But this is his defining film. It's so over the top with violence, debauchery, just overall unpleasantness. It's what drew many to it. Unfortunately, he tried to duplicate this many times with little to no success. Uh, the story is absurd, yet somehow in a good way. The story of a psychologically unbalanced madman uh, that's killing everyone. Uh, you know, he kills someone, and then he has to come up with a way to get away with that, so he has to kill someone else. And it's like this cycle of just murder, murder, murder. And what we get is basically every sick and twisted thing the human mind can conjure, pretty much. Um, now, this I know doesn't sound very entertaining. And if it was explaining me the way I just did, I would probably politely pass on seeing this, but somehow, in ways I can't even comprehend, you can't turn away. It's like the proverbial car crash that you remain fixated on. And I have a theory why that is, and it's simply one thing. It's Anthony Wong. Can anyone in any country play this role any better? I think not. I mean, the only guy that maybe comes to mind is Jack Nicholson, uh, but I don't think he could have pulled this off. Not at least... You know, as well as the Hong Kong legend Mr. Wong does. Uh, Danny Lee is here, and he's his usual self. I never saw much range for him. I didn't see it here either. 
Uh, Emily Kwan is cute, but in the end, pretty much a non-factor. Uh, so basically, you know, this is the look into a sociopath's murder, murderer's mind. And we are guided there by an amazing actor. I mean, Herman Yao has to get some points for this. I mean, he did direct it. But I think this was just the perfect storm. It was the right man playing the right role at the right time. I don't think this could ever be remade to any success, so I hope no one ever tries. Let's just marvel at the crazy visuals that will both make you excited and possibly sick at the same time. Uh, now, this is no classic, but it is a film I think fans of Asian cinema should see. Uh, prepare yourself, and those with weak stomachs may not want to be eating anything during it, but sit back and watch an amazing performance, and then be sure to tell your friends about it. I mean... Why should you be the only one appalled? <laughs> I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. It's just, you know, it's just a film that holds a special place in my heart. Uh, when I think about my early days of, you know, watching Hong Kong films, and this was one of those early films, and like I always said about Hong Kong films back in the day, they just make the films America would be afraid to make. <laughs> and uh, I, I just think that that's what this is. And, you know, that's our show. And as I said, you know, we're going to talk a little bit here before we go about the New York Asian Film Festival, which is just upon us. Now, I have put up links on our Facebook page with schedules and a lineup and uh, where you can buy tickets. There's also a new Facebook page called Fans of the New York Asian Film Festival and Asian Cinema. Uh, go there. I am all over there. I have just, right before I put the, I recorded this, I placed trailers for every film i believe there are 57 films i think one of the films i couldn't find a trailer for the other 56 i believe are up there 56 trailers for all the films in the new york asian film festival so definitely uh go there you can watch all the films if you're in the new york area if you can get to the new york area as i always say uh this is the best time to come down we have this we have uh you know in the second week in japan japan cuts festival uh, will be the second week of July starting, featuring some of the best in New Japan cinema. So definitely check that out. This year, I've already got tickets to probably more than 15 films, and I'm probably going to be going to more like 20. Um, that is if my poor wallet can handle it. I can say right now, the top four films I'm looking to see would be uh, The Villainous, uh, Mrs. K, Takashi Miki's The Mo Song Part 2, and uh, Bad Genius. Uh, and there's a few other ones. Election's going to be there. The great Tony Leung is going to actually be in attendance to receive an award at the film, at the screening of the election. So, I mean, there's just so much going on um, at this festival. It's just really amazing. And I always tell you guys, if you guys could go and be there, even just once, uh, you will not regret it. If you're a fan of Asian cinema, that means you're listening to this show. And if you're listening to the show, you would love the New York Asian Film Festival. You know, it goes on for June 30th to July 16th, and tickets went on sale today, July 15th. I mean, June 15th, excuse me. So uh, get on there, or you can go to SubwayCinema.com and get details there. Go to my Facebook page. I said, uh, everywhere you can go, uh, you're going to find out everything you can about these films. And if you can be in the area, come down and see us. And if you see me, say hi. If you go to the Facebook page, uh, you should see a picture on the Newark fans, on my post, there's a picture of me, I believe, and you can uh, you can recognize me, and you can see me and say hi if you uh, see me at the festival. I love talking to you guys about Asian films. It's probably my favorite subject. <laughs> so, again, I want to thank all you guys for coming in and listening. Uh, we are going to be back with 
Now, I, there's a special thing I want to do. I don't know if I'm going to get it done before the Asian Film Festival, so it may come after. But we're going to have a special show dedicated to Jackie Chan, where all five films that we review are going to be Jackie Chan films. You know, we're going to do, uh, you know, Railroad Tigers and a couple, you know, a classic, of course, for a classic selection and a wild card, you know, a film that from Jackie was, I think most people haven't seen, which I think is amazing. And so, you know, definitely, you know, look to, uh, see that. Now, I'm going to try to get that up before the festival starts, but let's be honest. The festival starts in two weeks, so my track record of getting a show up that quick is not that good. So the next time you might hear from me will probably be in maybe about uh, two and a half weeks when I start reviewing films from the uh, festival. But uh, as always, I'm really glad you guys tuned in, and I hope to see you back here again. And until next time, bye-bye.